If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 5 tonight. Isaiah chapter 5. Here in Isaiah chapter 5, there's six different woes that's been pronounced on the people of Israel. Six woes from God. And this is woe on that and everything else. He's pronouncing woes on them. And this certainly is applicable for us today if we look at these. We can see all these woes in our society today. Verse number 8. Woe unto them that join house to house that they feel to feel till there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. Here's a woe to those that, uh, who set their hearts upon uh, wealth. Uh, they're trying to gather up everything. They're trying to get everything from people. They want uh, more they got. You'll say you got a little bit and uh, they want more and more. They try to get the increased uh, to themselves and uh, in different ways and different means and different types. We see that today. People are just getting more and more. The rich get richer and they just want more and more. They had nothing in mind to do but just seek the things for themselves to do what the world wants to do themselves. Verse number 11 says, Woe unto them rises up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue until the night until wine and flame. Down in verse number 22, it says, Woe unto them are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. It says, Woe unto those people that are intoxicated. He deals with the generation that rises up early in the morning and have strong drink and continue until nighttime. If there ever other people are literally drunk, it is the United States tonight. You know, the Americans consume seven billion gallons of alcohol per year. We've got problems in this country. If the United States, it needs help. We are a nation of alcoholics. It's not, con not counting the marijuana. It's not counting the pills they, they have or uh, the shooting up anything. It's just dealing with the alcohol. You, you can't go into a, a Walmart without walking around without seeing somebody pushing in their cart. There's uh, beer or alcohol in their carts over and over. You just can't walk through there and not find it. So he's pronouncing a woe on them that get drunk. I mean, if that ain't seeing America today, something wrong with us. Something wrong with us. And verse number 18 says, Woe on them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as they, if it were a cart rope. Instead of letting go of their sins, they hang on to them. Instead of putting it to, uh, getting, giving them to the, uh, God, they hang on to them. They draw, they draw them to themselves. It's almost like uh, when they come to the altar and they, and they ask God to take their sin from them, but when they get up, they pull it back to the pews with them. He's saying, you woe unto them. Woe unto them. Verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, but, they, but, you, bitter, but you bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. If you don't see America in this verse, I don't know what's wrong. 
If you were a bad guy for acting like something's wrong, you stand against this perversion, this nation that we have that is allowing everything to come in, this movement to come in, they said you were a backward person. I'm telling you what, I, I don't think child, a child in school needs to learn about that. I don't think we can, they set it up where a child can have a, a, a sex change operation without the parents' commission no more. They give out uh, uh, condoms and, and stuff like that without the permission of parents. And I'm not talking about high schoolers, I'm talking about teens, junior high. We've got, we've got a perfect, everything's good now, what used to be good is now evil. And everything that's bad, it used to be bad, is now good. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. These people think they're wise and intellectual. Uh, so they have to go, I've been to college and I'm smarter than those and the, I'm smarter than God. He's created everything. But we're scientific. We, we prove everything. We're so open-minded that our brains have fallen out of our heads. That's where we're at today. Everything that we hear in chapter 5 uh, needs to be preached. If, it don't, if don't, God would have uh, told Isaiah not to say a thing. He would have told Isaiah not to preach this. This is God's word given to uh, Isaiah, and Isaiah gladly gave it to the people. Woe unto this, woe unto that. Woe unto them, woe to them. How many times have you known that you can get into a uh, fixated on the world, the things that's going on, and you forget just how bad you are? How many of you that can get fixated on the problems of society and even in the church world today that you almost kind of start thinking, letting yourself have a free pass on what you're doing and somehow not as bad as what those people are doing. You have them in their cross, your crosshairs. You want to say woe unto them. It's easy to get to the place to say woe unto them, woe unto them, Woe unto them and point the finger at them, but never turning that finger back to yourself. Notice in chapter 5, Isaiah, woe unto them, woe unto them. Six times he's given them woe and woe and this. And, I, and I'm pretty sure Isaiah probably thought, Lord, I'm glad you decided to give it to them. They needed it. They, they needed it, Lord. You needed us. Throw it at them. Just throw it at them, Lord. But this is not my message tonight. This is not the message tonight. Certainly, they kneel woe unto them. Look over in chapter 6. Look at chapter 6. Verse number 1. In the year that King Uriah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled with the temple. And above it the seraphim, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And he cried unto him, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Watch this. Isaiah has been pointing his fingers at those people, saying, Woe unto them, woe unto them, woe unto them. And he's just laying it out. He's just getting a thrill about it. But look, watch this. Then said I, Woe is me. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord. We just ask you to open our hearts and minds. Lord, just give us the words we stand in need of tonight, Lord. Help us to be what we need to be. And Father, we'll just bless you. We'll honor you. We'll glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. It's no longer woe unto them, but now it's woe unto me. Can I say, God, help us to never forget, I need you to keep working in my life. I have not arrived yet. Yes, there are some things that must be condemned. Yes, there are things that we must preach on. Yes, there's ways that we should walk. And there are some things that we should avoid. But God, help us. We don't get so high and mighty that we start looking at the problems of society and start thinking we're better than them. I'm better than that crowd. I'm better than, better than that sister. I'm better than that brother. No. But for the good grace of God. Thanks to Calvary. We, shall, we should all be in the same mess tonight. In chapter 5 is easy to get to the place that Isaiah did in chapter 5. Where you run around start pronouncing woe on them, woe on them, woe on everybody. Y'all messed up. But when he gets to the place to recognize what Isaiah recognized, you have to say, God, I'm a pretty rotten myself. God, I need a lot of work in my life. Woe is me tonight. What does Isaiah see that changed his perspective? Tonight when we're throwing some woes out at everybody else, we've been pointing our fingers at everybody else. Tonight I want you to look at yourself. Look at yourself tonight. I, I wonder if we'll take the responsibility of ourselves and say, woe is me. Woe is me. Isaiah sees something. I believe that if we get a vision of it and we catch it, we'll start saying the exact same thing that Isaiah said. He, he sees upward in verse number 11. Verse number 1. He saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up. Can I say that's the way you ought to see the Lord tonight? High and lifted up. He saw the Lord in a high position. You say, how does that change Isaiah's perspective? Well, you go to 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, you'll find that Uriah was a good king. He achieved a lot of things. He achieved uh, the military. He, he, he was assessed against the enemy and everything. His reign was characterized by prosperity. He was doing everything right. He got everything right that he should have gotten right except for one thing. Then he got thinking that he was a priest and start doing priestly duties. God said, no, no. So God struck him with leprosy and he died as a leopard. 
And yet the nations still mourn him. The nations still grieve for him. Isaiah has gotten so focused on the king that died. Isaiah has focused solely on the fact that our leader has died. Our king has died. What are we going to do? How are we going to do things? Isaiah needed to be reminded. Isaiah, Uriah might have been, might have died, but he's no longer on the throne. He's no longer there. But I want you to look upward, Isaiah. I have not left the throne. I have not vacated the throne. I'm still sitting on the throne. And still running the show tonight. Listen to me. There are times in our life that you get into circumstances. And you start focusing on it. And it clouds your vision. And you start seeing those things that's messing up. But God said you need to look upward. Because uh, I have not left heaven. I have not left the throne. I, I'm still in control. I'm still in charge. You get down in the dumps. And think, this is not fair. God, why would you allow this to happen in my life? Why would you allow this to come into my life? He's still on the throne. But every once in a while, it's good to realize, woe is me. Woe is me. I got my eyes on the wrong things. I got fixated on the wrong things. I need to lift my eyes up and remember that God is still in a high position. He's not left the throne. He's still sitting on the throne. He's still running the show. And everything is right, all right in heaven, even though when everything down here has gone bad, God is still all right. He's still there. He sees him in a high position. He sees him in a holy personality. Verse 3, One cried unto the other and said, Holy, 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 is the Lord and host, and the earth is full of His glory. The servants cried, Holy, holy, God's attribute in the Scriptures is holiness. Even the seraphims didn't even feel like they was even worthy to look upon Him. Even that's what they were called to do. They weren't even worthy to look upon the holiness of God. They took two wings and covered their eyes, and they flew around and crying, Holy, holy, holy. That's in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it has not changed. If you go to uh, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, they, they cried, Holy, Holy, Lord God Almighty, which has, was and is and is to come. It has not changed. His holiness has not changed. Nothing has changed about Him. Think about this woe is me because if He in a high position because of His holy personality. I'm curious about the fact tonight that we serve a holy God. Does it mean anything to you? We serve a holy God who had a holy child named Jesus, who sent a Holy Spirit called the Holy Ghost, that lives in our hearts and gives you the Holy Scriptures. He said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. The Bible said that we're going to be going to the holy city, New Jerusalem. Do you realize that God desires us to be holy? God wants us to be holy. And the priests in the Old Testament, the garments had written down the side of them when they put them on it. It says, holiness unto the Lord. As a priest of God, their cloths, 
their clothes said something. It said something. And you are a priest tonight in the, in the New Testament. You are a priest if you're a child of God. I wonder what your clothes say about you and Jesus. I, I wonder if they see you and see your clothes and say, that's, that's a child of God, that's a holy man, that's a holy woman. They're, they're trying to live for God. He's not talking about your heart now. That's different. He's talking about how you dress and how you represent God in the society of the days. So is, is your clothes telling people that you are a child of God? You, you walk up to a person tonight, you go downtown, you walk up to a person, he's got a blue suit on, got a badge on, he's got a hat and got a gun on, say, sir, I just want to thank you for your, what you do for that country. He looks at you and says, I'm not a policeman, don't do that. You walk up, somebody's got camouflage on, got boots and got a hat, and you think, I want to thank you for your service. What are you talking about? I'm not a soldier. Well, you sure do look like one. What do your clothes say about you? What do they say? Are, people look at you and they say, hey, that, that's, that's a child of God. That, that, that's somebody's living for God. They, they want to walk with God. Did your clothes say that? Or does your clothes say... Solomon said, I looked out the window and I saw her as a, dressed as a harlot. I'm just telling you. I've been in some churches where somebody dressed, but I'll tell you what. That, <laughs> no, no, uh-uh. You don't do that. He said, hey, your clothes say a lot about you as a child of God. Yeah. Amen. He said, when you get dressed, it should say, I'm a child of God, walking with God, and I'm presenting God. You are an ambassador in this world, and you ought to show it. What you wear does count. What you say does count. Your clothes say a lot about who you are. What your life says. I serve a holy God, trying to be holy like him. Woe is me. He saw something upward. Then he saw something inward. Verse 5. Then I, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king of the Lord of hosts. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. All of the, what we saw upwardly causes us to look inwardly. You'll never recognize how bad you really are by comparing yourselves to other people around you. Because everyone in here, well, we'll compare each other to each other. You're always going to be measured up better than them. That's just the way we look at it. I'm pretty good. I, I don't do that. I sure don't dress like that sister over there dresses like that. I, I don't hang out the places that brother over hangs. I, I'm better than them. You start comparing yourself with other people, you get yourself in a problem. It's not wise to compare yourself to other people. Bible fact, Bible says those comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Not wise. 
I am not the standard that you're to compare to. You're not the standard that I am to compare to. The Lord Jesus Christ is the standard that we're to compare ourselves to. And that's who you need to get fixated. Anytime you can look upward, uh, it's going to change some things you have inward. I've I got a problem. Maybe we are not looking upward as much as we should be looking upward because some of us got some stuff inside of us that needs to be out of us. And the only way it's going to come out of you if you start looking up more and comparing yourself to Him and nobody else around you tonight. Amen. None of us uh, would have a problem with holiness if we just start looking at Him more each night. Being more like Him and less like the world. Less like yourself. Less like me. You got to start looking up. Looking in the book. Ask God, show me myself. Ask God, Lord, show me where I need to improve. Show me where I can walk holier. God, do a work in my life. Woe is me. He, he never saw what he saw until he started looking upward. And you're never going to change in your life until you start looking upward. We all need to look up tonight. If you're going to compare yourself to anyone tonight, it be compared to Him. And I can say this without a shadow of doubt, without any grief, none of us measure up. None of us measure up. But we can strive to be more like Him daily, not men more. You know what? I find a lot of times we strive today to be like Him, but sometimes during the week we just relax and let it go, let it go, let it go. I don't know why I'm on that. We just let it slide and say, well, I don't have to compare myself to today. I'm not going to set my standards to this high. I'm going to bring my standards a little bit lower today and compare myself to everybody else. When you walk down the street, so when you go to the grocery store and you start looking around, well, I'm not like that. I don't look like that. I don't talk like that. And then you start getting this high-minded self of self, and you know what? God says, no. You don't worry about them. Yeah. Your fault, your problem is you need to compare yourself to me and me alone. And I know you're not going to measure up with him and meet on his level, so you need to just keep striving to compare yourself to him each and every day. And to, listen, in a position of looking up, I can't see none of y'all. And as long as I'm looking up, I'm not going to worry about what you're doing. I'm not going to care about what you're doing because I'm focused on Him. I want to be like Him, not like you. Not like you. I want to be like Him. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep focusing, looking upward, that when the longer I look upward, there's going to be some things that will change inwardly inside of me that God says those things need to come out. And I'll tell you this, and I'll promise you this, every one of us sitting here has got some, something inside of us that needs to get out of us. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm as close to perfect as I can get. No, you're not. You're prideful then. You need to get pride out. Amen. Amen. There, there, there. <laughs> I'm going to start a fight tonight. <laughs> There's not a person in here that doesn't have something against somebody somewhere. Why? Because you're looking like this. You're looking like that. Start elevating that head up 
Stop looking at those people around you. You might find out the problem was you to begin with. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm telling you. I need to help you. Stop looking at those and comparing yourself to everybody inside here and start looking up and compare yourself to him. And when you meet his standard, let me let me know. We get so fixated on everybody around us that I'm better than them, I'm greater than them. No, you're not. If it wasn't for the grace of God and the mercy of God, we all be in bad shape. We all be in hell. None of us have made a, a ride. When he started looking inwardly, he saw his problem. He didn't say, woe is my friends. My friend is wicked. God get them. No, he said, woe is me. Isaiah was thinking the way that we think. He was thinking, I'm not as bad as they are in chapter 5. He said, I, I know who they am. I, I'm not like the, them. I'm not like that drunkard. I'm not like those who, who keep seeing around me. I, I'm not like that trying to gain them. I'm not like that. So woe is them. But when he measured up against the perfect standard, he could not arrive. He could not achieve. He says, I've got a problem. I've been measuring myself against everybody else, but when I look upwardly, I saw that there was a problem, and I couldn't achieve there. I could not uh, measure up to him. He's the perfect standard that we need to measure to. We, have, we hold the Bible in our hands, and we measure up to the Bible. We should never bring our preaching down to our, our living standard, but our, our living standard should always be brought up to our preaching level, the Bible standard. The level of the Bible. Amen. The modern day church today has brought the preaching down to a, the standard of the living for the day. And everybody's living. Nobody is, feels woe is me anymore because they're comfortable in what they're doing. How they're living. How they're acting. They're living in their sins and there's no more woe is me. Isaiah realized just living in an unclean world is going to make you dirty. You say, well, I, I live pretty good. I go to church Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I pray. I read my Bible. I do everything I'm supposed to do. But living in an unclean world is going to make you dirty. Isaiah certainly was not an unclean person. He was not a drunkard. He didn't harbor sin. But what made him unclean is because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. So why did he say unclean lips? You never read out in the Bible or anything where Isaiah goes off, he never cusses, he never says anything wrong. He does what he says. So how's he getting dirty? He's getting dirty just simply because he's living in an unclean world. Like I said, you can come to church three times a week and read your Bible and study and read all that stuff. You're still going to get dirty in this world. 
You can take a bath. Let me just say this. You can take a bath. You go home tonight. You take your bath. You get your shampoo and wash your hair up and get it all good and get your bath scrub and get your one of those scrub brushes and just scrub yourself real good. Get it all cleaned up, you know, and just go in and sit in your living room. Put your deodorant on, put your clone on. Just go in the living room, sit for three days. I guarantee you, you're going to stink. <laughs> Why? Everything around me is clean. I, I clean my house. I clean my, my body. I, clean, I took a bath. Just because you're living in an unclean world, you're going to get dirty. You stand beside a hog pen long enough, you're going to start smelling like a hog. Well, I didn't get in there with them. You, ain't, you were just socializing with them. Though. I was standing outside there here talking to them. Well, I was on the inside. I was just talking to them. You know, you hang around them long enough, you're going to start smelling like a hog. Amen. He says, I, I'm unclean because I dwell among unclean lips. And he said, I'm just dirty because I'm in this house. I'm in this place. You may not be committing sin. You may not be drinking or running around or anything like that. You're not watching the things you shouldn't be watching. You're just living in a wicked world. A wicked world. We all got problems. It just sticks to us. You don't have to do anything. It's in the air. It sticks to you. So you got to get yourself cleaned up. He said, woe is me. Got a problem. He said, I, I need purging. Verse 5, verse 6. And then he flew one of the serpents unto me, having a coal in his hand which he taken from his tongues off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. How did his sin get purged? I got to thinking about that. Here's this serpent flying around. He takes his coal from the altar and touched his lips with it. I got to looking up at the altar, and I find that it was the altar of the burnt sacrifice, the brazen altar that's right outside the incense, the outer court. And it's the one when they sacrifice, and that blood drips down on that altar and stains the coal for the burnt sacrifice. And he took one of those coals and touched Isaiah's lips and said, this is will clean you. It will take something that the blood has from the lamb to wash you and to purge you. Clean you up. Woe is me. Look over to 1 John 1. Let me look at 1 John 1. Let me read this to you. He 
He said, that which was from the beginning, which he had heard, which we have seen, our, our eyes we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and he showed it that eternal life, which was the Father, has manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare unto you, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things are right to you, that your joy may be full. This is the, then the message which we have heard of him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. We say we have fellowship with him and walk not in darkness. We lie and we do not have truth. But if we walk in the light and he is the light, we have fellowship one another and the blood of Jesus Christ is cleanses from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we have made a liar of him, and his word is not in us. He's saying, it takes the blood of the Lamb to purify you, to purge you of your sins. And that's what I said. And I, and I got to think about how that seraphim took that coal off that uh, bra uh, the, uh, brazen altar and touched his lips and made him clean. The only thing that can cleanse and purge is the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. And you, that's what happens when we ask Jesus to come in life. The blood purges our sins away. So he looked upwardly. Then he looked inwardly. Then finally he looked outwardly. Verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then say, I, here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell these people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but ye perceive not. In chapter 5, Isaiah is looking at all but he could say was, woe is me, woe is me. Woe unto them, woe unto them, woe unto them. But chapter 6, he's looking out again and says, no longer is woe unto them, but it's woe unto me. Now he has a burden. Lord, I know this is a wicked people. I know they're unclean. I know they're undone. I know they have sinned against you, Lord. I've got problems too, but Lord, here am I, send me. He saw heaven's plan. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? He didn't say who will go for the church. He didn't say who will go for the pastor. God is looking for people to go on behalf of heaven. God is looking for those that hear the call from heaven and do something for glory for the church and God. Not for the glory of yourself and not the glory of your things, but he said do for the glory of God in heaven. If God wanted to, he could send the angels to do the things that needs to be done, but God chooses the people to get his job done. The call from heaven who will do something for me? Woe unto us. How many times we've just lived our lives and let things pass by and never said a word or done anything for the glory of heaven and glory of God. Woe unto us. 
we see heaven's pick for the job, the one that recognizes, woe is me. Who will go for us? Then say, I, here am I, send me. You know who God will use? He will never use anyone that's not making himself available. You make yourself available to God, God will use you. The greatest ability is your availability. And God wants to use you. God is not looking for the great men. God is not looking for the great minds. God is just wanting somebody to step up and say, Here am I, send me. To recognize, woe is me, I've got a problem, I'm undone, I'm clean, I'm not right, I've got issues. The Lord, I'll go for you. I'll go for the glory of God. I'll go for the glory of heaven. I'll stand for you. Whom will go for us? Isaiah said, I'll go. I wonder what your answer would be if God said, who will go for me? Who will go for heaven? What would your answer be tonight? Lord, I'd love to go, but I'm just too busy tonight. I've got to take care of this. I've got to take care of that. I've got this going on. I've got that going on. I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm wrapped up right now. Lord, check back with me in a couple of months, and I'll see if I can do it then. Woe unto you. Can I say the calling of God should rank first in your life and every time that God calls? When God speaks to your heart, you need to pay attention. And say, Lord, here I am. What is it? It may not be what you like. It may not be your prime job that you want to do, but God has called you to do something and you ought to do it for the glory of heaven, not for the glory of self, not glory for me, not glory of you. Just do it for the glory of God. Woe is me. Woe is me. I, I've had to learn to do that, Lord. I, I'm, I, I feel so unworthy. So unworthy. I, I, don't even, I don't even measure up. But God, I, I'll go. I know if I go, you'll empower me to do the things I need to do. Wherever you want me to do it at, I know that you'll do it for me. And that's what we ought to say. When when you get that look of him on that throne and start seeing his standards and start measuring yourself up to him, you'll realize that you're unclean, you're wicked, you're undone. You're just like everybody else. Woe is them. Woe is them. But God says, I can purify you. I can purge you of your sins. And when you get all that stuff out of you, then you start looking forward. There are some people out there that needs me. There's people out there that need to hear about Jesus. Will you tell? Will you go? Will you speak on the behalf of heaven? Woe is us. Woe is us. So it's not good when you point your finger back at yourself and say, you know what, I don't measure up. I don't measure up. And I, I don't measure up. And I'm not comparing.